I'm going to bring a message this morning that I'm entitling it, What is the Mind of Christ? What is the Mind of Christ? I'm not sure that communicates what I want it to, but let me quickly get into the scripture so I think you'll see where we're going to be going for the next few minutes. I want to take you, first of all, to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And here's what Paul wrote to the church at a place called Philippi. Here's what he said. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now let me go back to the Old Testament and read a passage out of the book of Isaiah, the prophet, verses 8 and 9 of chapter 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now here's what I want you to get. In order for us to do right, we have to think right. The only way to think right is to have some changes go on in the mind that we're born with. And as long as we operate on the birth brain and what it says, because we are born in sin, but the mind of Christ is the mind that we are to think with. And when we think the way we ought to think, we will do what God wants us to do. Now, if you're worried, let me assure you that the mind of Christ gives access to all wisdom. There's no wisdom outside of Christ. When you learn what Christ wants you to learn, and I learn what Christ wants me to learn, it is so much easier to do right because we are thinking right. And our thoughts are no longer our thoughts, but they're his thoughts that come through our mind that is changed when we are changed in what we call the new birth. Most of us, I think, do not think like he thinks. I find myself even at times having to correct myself, especially if it's close to... Um, the time that I have either just read the scripture or fixing to read the scripture and you come across something where your mind was maybe an hour before and you rethink it. Did I think that outright? Did I really think as Jesus thinks? Now the Proverbs, 31 of them, for you that have not heard me say this hundreds of times, there's 31 Proverbs, there's one for every day. If you'll read a proverb every day, on the day of the month, it'll change your life. If you'll not only read it, but you'll apply it to that day's activities. Now, in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, 
says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, we don't do right because we don't think right. When we think wrong, we do wrong. I'm going to put up on the screen a one-liner, and I'm going to leave it up there long enough for you to either write it down on something you have or write it on the back of your hand or write it on the hand of the person you're with. Um, but I want you to think with me as I complete this message today. And here's the thought. Quote, don't ever make something possible that you are not willing to have happen. That's going to take a while for that to sink in. Let me just read it one more time out loud, especially for those that might be listening by radio even. Don't ever make something possible that you're not willing to have happen. You see, folks, it's easy to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. You're in the place where those kind of things happen. We get in those kind of situations because we think we will survive them, though the overwhelming majority that have been there before us did not survive it. So again, don't ever make something possible that you're not willing to have happen. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. Our itineraries need to change in some of the things that we do 24-7 because we are being drawn by every kind of a, a drawing that comes to pull us away from thinking like he thinks. We begin to think like the TV commentator or the author of the newspaper or the friend that maybe with good intentions has an opinion. And so we begin to lock on to some kind of philosophical uh, thought that leads us to something or, or to be somewhere we shouldn't be doing what we shouldn't do. Think ahead. Don't move too soon. If you can't pray about it, I can remember my dad telling me this as a teenager if I have any kind of a situation that I'm about to get involved in, he said, son, just take a few seconds and ask God what he wants you to do. He may think you don't need to go to that party. It's one thing to feel comfortable in comfortable situations. It's another thing to be still and know that he's God. And when the news is bad, the future is bleak, the hope is little, it is wonderful to take out what we're thinking and put in what God says. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will guide you to all truth. I will be your provider. I will be your protector. Just be still and know that I'm God. But you have to change the way you think. Many of us are drawn to many kinds of groups. People go to church they want, because the people in the church think what they think. Not in spiritual things, but in secular things. So you want to be careful that if it can happen in church, it can happen at the company, it could happen at the school, it could happen in the community, it could happen in the city, it could happen in a nation, it could happen anywhere. But again, 
the scripture keeps speaking. The mind of God, do you know it and do you have it? And what is that mind like? How does God think? How does Jesus think? How does the Holy Spirit think? How do you think? What does the scripture mean to you? What do you think about the scripture? Is it inspired? Is it inerrant? Is it infallible? Or is there spots of this book inspired and you believe you're inspired to spot the spots? And if it doesn't agree with your philosophy that you got from the world, you decide, I'm going with the world. The scripture says, have the mind of Christ and you won't go with the world. You will go with him. And you will live to see what a great decision you made. It may not happen in this life, but when you step inside the gates of heaven, you'll say, thank you, Jesus. I did not do what I was headed towards doing. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, kind of puts it in another perspective. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and listen to this, and you shall find rest unto your souls. You see what happens whenever you become a born-again believer, you get in the yoke with, with the Lord. And if you know anything about yokes, you know, and there's a leader and the chariot and the, the stagecoach has a lead horse or whatever. And they set the pace. They set the lead. They give the direction. Well, that's what happens in a Christian's life. When you're born again, it's not your ways, but his ways. You think as he would think. You handle it as he would handle it. And you just stay still and know that he is God. Now, a question ought to come up real quickly. Where in the world do you get the mind of God? Well, you don't get it online. The only way you can have the mind of Christ is to have Christ in you. He does not put out pamphlets to tell you how to live. This Bible comes alive to people that know the author because they understand the author. They know how much the author loves them. They know what he did as well as what he said and their lives were changed. But to a person that just sort of throws the Bible in with everything else, then they want to question this and question that. And by the way, it's okay to question as long as you're looking for truth. But if you start looking at the Bible and questioning where the Bible agrees with the way you think, you're up a wrong tree and you're headed down a wrong road. Be still and know that he is God. We're born with a human spirit, with a human heart. We live in the best known spot of the world for heart problems. But that's a physical thing. And thank God for all of that. But there's more meaning behind that in the scripture than just the physical organ. The same way with the brain, the physical brain. There is a heart relationship with God, and there is an emotional relationship with God, and a mental relationship with God. Whenever we're born, we have the human heart. When we're born again, we get the spiritual heart. Now, when you talk about a heart transplant, first of all, you say, I got a friend that 
that's had a heart transplant. Well, I hope you have had one too. If they didn't do it at the Texas Heart Institute, I hope that they did it spiritually at the altar or in your place of prayer. When God changed your heart. Because there is a mind of the heart and there's a mind of the brain. And there's the will of man, the emotions of man. But God takes and lays it out before us and says, here's what I want of you. You were born with the physical capacities and the physical body. But that's not enough. You must be born again. And when you are born again, old things pass away and all things become new. Any good thought that you ever had stays with you and many more new ones are added and the bad ones are thrown out. So you can simply walk in obedience to his command. You know what? When you get to following the Lord and you are really serious about your decisions, you begin to... Uh, Relax more. If you say, you know, the end of this thing, he's going to make up my mind. I'm going to spout off a little bit. And I found myself in praying. I, I say, you know, John, all you're doing is telling God what to do. Why don't you just be still and know that he's God? You know, why don't you just shut up and listen? And you know what? That's when the peace comes. You don't do say, oh, I wish I'd have thought of that. Well, if you'd have been quieter, quicker... Did you know the best prayers, one that prays, are those that listen a lot more than they talk? You see, a lot of people just pray, you know, and tell God how to run the world and what to do and all this. I'm saying, thank you, God. If I need you again, I'll come back in six months. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is listening. And just verbalizing, Lord, I have need of you. I need you every hour, the song we love to sing. Our children need you. Our grandchildren need you. Our schools need you. Our government needs you. Our president, our, our congressman, our police, our families, our teachers, our principals, our students. We need him every hour. And he says, well, just be still and learn how to do it. And you must decrease and I will increase. And when that happens... Old things pass away, and all things become new. And you know what? When you follow the Lord, wherever he leads, I will go. You will find yourself having a whole lot less complications in your life because you don't lead yourself into where that temptation comes. You do not take into your body that which poisons you and destroys you and into your mind and into your culture and into your nation, and into your family, and on and on we could go. But we have to have the mind of God. As a human body, the brain must grow. We expect that. We expect that. And you know what? We ought to expect that in the spiritual brain. That's for the study of the Word. The scripture says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you say, well, I'm hungry. You need spiritual food more than you need physical food. And so the Bible says, now is the time. Now is 
the day. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul said, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For those of you that say, well, I'm, I'm a man or a woman, I'm not a boy or a girl, I'm a man or a woman, have you put away the childish things? Did the things that attracted you as a child no longer attract you? Did the priorities change? Did the purpose of your life change? Are you just a, a, a little boy or a little girl that is going around in spiritual child's clothes and not allowing God to take hold of your life? Now, Paul wrote some other young guys and like Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.15. He said, Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He said, Timothy, learn the word. Don't look for a popular opinion. Don't get on the computer or the phone or Facebook or whatever else and ask people what they think unless you know what God thinks. Then you'll know whether you're getting good counsel or bad counsel. When somebody tells you, what God has already told you in his word, that friend is going to go closer to you than ever before. And when somebody tells you do this, when God said do that, it should be a warning. Maybe I need to back away. Maybe I need to change my priorities. Maybe I'm listening to the wrong person. Maybe I'm going to the wrong places. Maybe I'm majoring on the wrong things. It's interesting how the New Testament parallels the Old Testament in, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9. The scripture says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. God spoke to the prophets. He spoke to the disciples, and he speaks to us that are his children. But you know why he speaks to us? Not because we need to hear it and get head knowledge but because that our lives can be more effectively used for the glory of God. Whether you're young or whether you're old, God's not finished with you yet. If you're one of those that think when you reach a certain age, you retire from everything, not only your job and your income, but you just say, I'm going to sit back and do nothing. I'm just going to be still and know that I've made it big. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to criticize everybody and tell them how it was and how it used to be. But don't call on me. I paid my dues when I was coming up in the church. I did it. Boy, I worked with the young people. I worked with the children. I sang in the choir. I played in the orchestra. I was the usher. I was on every committee in the world. I'm wore out. Don't tell God that unless you're ready to discuss it with him personally. <laughs> but the scripture goes on. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, Paul's writing different people, but notice the correlation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking up by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. And John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again. Any person that does not know God personally cannot interpret the thoughts and will of God. When leaders don't know God personally, they can lead you into some horrific, horrific situations. God knows what he has planned for you, for us, and for whosoever will. Don't forget, don't ever make something possible that you are not willing to have happen. I'm talking to some today that if things don't get right with God, you're, you're getting yourself in a situation where you could commit the unpardonable sin. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to give you the truth. You can get so mad and so angry and so bitter and so complacent and so negative and so blah. And all of a sudden, God shows up. Don't ever take God lightly. Don't ever shake your finger in God's face and tell him, I'll do what I very well please. You must not get yourself in that, that situation. Don't get there where God could rightfully take you out of this earth because of the impact for Satan that you're having in this world. God loves us so much. But the scripture goes on and says in Romans 8, 16, it says, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. God is what motivates us to live like him. He wants us to walk with him and talk with him. He wants us to enjoy the blessings of the Father. He wants all of that. And he doesn't want to hold good things back from us. But you cannot put things into the hands of one that doesn't have the mind of Christ and trust them to do with it what God wants done with it. Now, we could push this as far as your athletic ability, your financial ability, your physical ability, your personal looks, your earth brain, your intelligence, your IQ. It could go anywhere you want it to go. But if you're wanting to follow the Lord, you need to be born again. And you need the mind of God to become the mind by which you make every decision in your life. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, the Bible said this about Jesus. This might make you feel better. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. See, even he grew up. Even he began to change. He began to think differently. He began to listen to the Father, do what the Father said, and when the Father said, Whatever, Jesus said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
Our minds develop and our lives change as we begin to grow in the knowledge of God's Word. One of the strongest things that Sagemont Church has to offer is this great Bible teaching. We have right now many teaching, dozens, deeply gifted. We have extracurricular Bible studies, all of which is trying to help people understand the mind of God, the ways of God, the will of God, the Word of God. But we have to understand it doesn't just come by sitting or listening. It comes by being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. In John 14 and 10, it says, Believe you not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. And listen to this. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. Again, where I'm weak, he's strong. Where you're weak, he's strong. Where the church is weak, he's strong. There's where the power comes from. And the reason that so many live in the darkness, totally confused, so gullible. I mean, there are things, folks, on television, especially commercials, that I'm, I'm telling you, if you had a 2020 IQ, you should be able to see or hear or know, that is crazy. I saw it again this morning twice. It, it, I, I find it sense of humor now. I really do. <laughs> Here's before the, the Bible is preached on television. This program is a paid program. Why don't they say it about the rest of them? Somebody's paying for all the filthy stuff, right? Okay? But I don't mind. I don't mind. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sins left to crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. I want the world to know who Jesus is. I want you to know who Jesus is. And if you ever meet him, you'll wonder, why didn't I do this a long, long time ago? In that 14th chapter of John, where John spoke and wrote in verse 10, Believe you not that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, and the words that I speak not of myself but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. That's what I want for us. Write that scripture down. Circle it. Do something. And the best way to do it is to start memorizing the scripture. Start memorizing the scripture. Find your Bible translation and start memorizing it. So if they take our Bibles away, you can quote the word of God. Find a good translation. We can help you with that, okay? But learn the word. Learn the word. Study the word. When we love each other, as God loves us, which is called agape love, then good things begin to happen. Our expectations begin to grow. But the only way for agape love to be at its finest is not to give to the needs but to give to the source of the needs give agape love not to bless others but to glorify God if you make your gift to glorify God it will bless others but to go around others so they do not understand my gift 
comes from my Father who loves you and gave himself for you. For God so loved the world, he, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In John 14, 21, Jesus says, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Anybody need that today? Is anybody in this auditorium say, I just wish God would just take a few minutes and just know I was the only person on the planet. And he said, I got enough problems that it's all he could handle. I don't need anybody intervening from the side. But I'd just like to take my burden to the Lord and leave them there. You can do that before we leave here in a moment. You can right now do it. You can just bow your head and close your eyes and say, Lord, speak to my heart. I'm so confused. I'm so mixed up. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know what's going on. I'm afraid to turn on the television. I'm scared to death of what's going to happen. Pray. Seek. And you'll find. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. You know what that means? That means that constantly the devil's looking at me and looking for an opportunity for me to be in a situation where he could destroy the ministry, the work of God. That's just the way he works. And nothing is different with your life. He wants to take you out if, you're, if you mean anything to God. Now, some of you say, well, he doesn't bother me. Well, he's not worried about you yet. Because the world thinks you're one of them. But when they know you're not, watch out. Because they're going to come like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And let me tell you something. I'm going to speak at a wild game dinner tonight, so I'm not going to give you my talk but I'll be telling them the same thing. If you don't know this about cats, especially African cats, you know probably what a leopard is. You probably know what a lion is. They're both big cats, but there's a big difference. A leopard hits and runs. A lion hits and never leaves till he devours. The scripture says the devil goes about as a roaring lion. He don't hit and run. Some of you say, well, I think I've been hit. Well, maybe you've been by a spiritual leopard because you're still standing. You hadn't been hit by the lion. But when the devil comes after you and sees that opening, you better make sure that he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. When something comes against you, you better have something stronger and you don't have it in the flesh. Not up here with your human brain, not with your physical body, not with your looks or anything else you've got physically. Money, maybe you, you have some wonderful talents. Nope, no problem. But when God's in you, you win. He wins. And he delivers us. Once Satan is convinced, now please hear me and I must close. 
as James said it in, in 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Listen, once Satan is convinced that he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world, you're going to find a backing off. You're going to begin to see things you've never seen and be blessed like you've never been blessed. You're going to be trusted with things you've never been trusted with because God sees in you a child he can trust and that will let him guide you to all truth. And any decision you make and any decision I make must be made with the absolute confidence that this is the will of God. If we're not, we're finished. But if, if you have never given your heart to Christ, you've never been born again, I don't care how many cards you've filled out and how many times you've been sprinkled, dunked, anointed, or whatever. If you have never invited Jesus Christ to come into your life and let everything he has replace everything you have, you, you give everything you have to him, and he takes over, you will never experience the mind of God until God lives in your life. And when God lives in your life, he will fill you with his spirit. He will guide you to all truth. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And one day, you'll stand before him. And he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. What few things do you think he's talking about? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is what I think it is. You get right. You get spiritually right. You get the Holy Spirit living in your life. You won't go crazy. You, you, but you'll be still. Know he's God. You'll know that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. You know that God is a great physician. He can heal from anything, anytime, any place, any way he wants to, as long as all glory goes to him. But the first time we try to use God's blessing to make ourselves look good, we're headed for trouble. Anytime we think we know more about God about our situation and go directly against what God's word teaches, like being unequally yoked together with an unbeliever, about going to the places of evil and watching the things of evil say, but I'm a Christian and I'm going to make it fine. No, you're not. No, you're not. What's going to happen to you is you're going to find what others have found, and that is Satan wins. Until you are filled with the presence and the power and the love of God, you're going to fight a downhill battle. But the moment you give your life to Christ, you're going to be a new person. And listen, so you don't go out of here guilty. When Jesus comes into your life, your sins, according to this book, are forgiven and forgotten and remembered no more. And today becomes the first day of the rest of your life. And you begin to walk with him and talk with him and know that he is God. And when the hurricanes roar again towards our continent, and you know they're everywhere today, I know who controls those hurricanes. I don't have no idea where they're going. The weather people have some good ideas. I've got no idea. But I do know that he holds the world in his hand. I don't know about these forest fires, but I know he holds the world in his hand. I don't know about these planets they're finding out there.
and showing us pictures on the news last night. We've discovered a new planet. Man, as big as that thing was, looked like we'd known it a long time ago. But anyway, <laughs> but God knew it was there. We well, say, aren't you scared? Not a bit. Not a bit. If I live, I live unto the Lord. If I die, I die unto the Lord. If I live or die, I'm the Lord's. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and we win. And we win. And so, my time is gone. But if you want to read a story that is exactly what I preach today, go read the book of Job. And again, for you first-time guests, you may call him Job. J-O-B. See what happened to his business. See what happened to his health. See, see what happened to his marriage. See what happened to his kids. And you'll see what happens when God gets involved. But read it to the end. Don't put it down. Say, this is such a sad story. I can't read anymore. It's just making me cry. Finish the book. Put the Proverbs aside. Read Job. And you know what? You're going to win too.